Welcome to the State of Business with the Ohio Society of CPAs. I'm Jessica Salerno, Senior Content Manager at OSCPA, and this is the show where we bring you the latest news impacting the business and accounting world from top experts. In this episode, I spoke with Danita Doe, a financial psychologist, founder of the aspirational money blog, Money and Mimosas, and expert on financial wellness in the workplace. Financial well-being is what Danita and I discuss in this episode, and what that means for financial and accounting professionals. Danita has a book on this coming out March 20th called Financial Well-Being in the Workplace. We covered how to shift into the mindset of financial well-being, the importance of intentionality in the process, how it evolves throughout a person's life, and much more. We started by Danita telling me how she first became interested in financial wellness. Here's what she had to say. Started talking about the intersection of wealth and wellness in late 2015, early 2016. And I started talking about it because I was processing it within my own financial life, making the connection between emotions and financial goals. I call those financial feelings, attaching financial goals with the feeling that that goal will give you or you think it will give you. Um, trying to understand how financial stress and anxiety impacts the body and impacts someone's mental health. I started thinking about those things then. And then it was in around that same time, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau came out with a study um, in, about financial well being, where they made the connection between how someone feels about their finances has a profound impact on their financial life. And that was monumental because prior to that, financial education only focused on the numbers um, in terms of how much do you have in your savings? How much, what is your net worth? If your goal is to own a home, how much have you saved for a down payment? Very, um, very by the numbers, very by the book. And it didn't give space to, well, if, what does owning a home mean to you? Does it mean security? Does it mean feeling accomplished? And, um, and it didn't really give space for how these financial goals actually have a huge impact on someone's overall well-being and their wellness and health. And so that's when I started thinking about it. And then once that report came out, it legitimized all of these thoughts that I had about um, the connection between someone's wealth and their overall well-being. And do you think that this is something that like CPAs, the accounting profession is also thinking about in this way and and how it can really impact someone's life? I believe that the CPA community is becoming more and more open to these types of conversations. I do believe our community, CPA community, is still very much rooted in the data of someone's financial situation. And I'll give an example. I have a, a membership community of folks who read Money and Mimosas and then want to dive deeper into the materials so they pay to be, they have they pay for a subscription to dive deeper into the material. And there was a woman 
there's a woman who is one of our members and she she had in her mind she was overspending on food she this was after the pandemic so she was ordering a lot of food in and she felt that given her income she was overspending and when looking at the number she was probably spending about 35% of her income on food, which is high. That is a high percentage to be spending on food. And so her immediate thought was, oh, I need to just cut my spending, which is what most financial professionals, most CPAs, if they're working with someone on their personal finances would say, just cut back um, because we need to get you within this particular budget so that you can start saving. But with her, she also shared that she has struggled with her weight for many years. And it was clear that she had a lot, a lot of her eating was emotionally driven. And so instead of immediately cutting back on her spending on food, I suggested that we get to the roots of why you're spending a third of your income on food. What is the feeling that that's giving you? And after she did her own internal self-discovery around that, she realized that food, she equated eating out with the experiences that she had as a young girl, where her mom, she grew up in a single mom, a household with a single mom. Her mom, whenever there was something to celebrate, she would take all the kids out to a local restaurant. And that was their way of celebrating. And that was their way of having fun and feeling joy. And so subconsciously, she was associating this spending, eating out, ordering in, in this case, um, because of the pandemic, with joy, with celebration. And if we had just cut out her spending in that area without addressing that root of why she was doing it, she would have found another way to try to fill that void, fill that void of not feeling joy, not feeling like she could celebrate life. And so by getting to the root of that, she realized that, okay, what I need to do is be conscious that every time that I spend money in this area, food, that um, it's actually fulfilling a need, an emotional need. And once she became aware of that, then she could start doing the work around how can I fill that emotional need by other means, whether that's going on a walk or journaling or having a heart-to-heart -heart conversation with a girlfriend, but being intentional about getting that need met. And that's, a, that's what I hope CPAs and other financial professionals start to talk to their clients about because our initial, um, our initial recommendation would generally be to just budget cut out that spending without helping the individual understand why they're making those financial decisions in the first place. And I think that's so interesting earlier, Danita, when you mentioned kind of intentionality, because there are some, I guess you could say common themes or common advice that you hear people suggesting when it comes to managing finances. And I think, you know, budgeting, cutting back on things is, is one that you hear a lot, which makes sense. But like you mentioned, if you're going to be intentional about this and maybe go a little deeper, seeing what, if that's really um, what's the best for maybe that person, that, that company is so interesting because at first glance, what might seem like an obvious answer might not work at all. 
Exactly, exactly. And in her case, um, because she realized that she was lacking ways of celebrating or feeling joy in her life, she realized that, okay, how can I, she started asking her quest, herself questions of how can I find a way to have those experiences and feel those feelings that also supports my financial health. Because right now what I'm doing to fill that void is not healthy financially for me. And so in her case, she wanted to, she decided that um, she wanted to start a business in the fashion space. That was something that she's always wanted to do, but never gave herself permission to do. And, um, and she started a business doing virtual styling for, for other women. And, and that, that's in the, on a, a, a smaller scale, that's a solopreneur um, example. When we expand it to corporations, the same can apply if a CPA is working with an organization either in-house or um, they're, they're an external expert for the company. When, when we look at how financial stress and financial anxiety impacts organizations, it can be to the tune of one to $3,000 per employee if the, if the company does not address the financial stress or financial anxiety that each employee is feeling. And so CPAs have an opportunity to, to help folks that are in larger companies as well understand their connection with their finances and how that's impacting, impacting their decisions and ultimately also impacting the bottom line for the company. There's a CPA accountant who wants to start integrating, you know, the, the thought process, the thinking of financial well-being into the way they work. What would that look like? Oh, that's a great question. Well, the first step is to um, I want to dispel a myth that sometimes is associated with financial wellness, financial well-being, in that it's only a, in quotes, poor person problem, or someone that has low income or their business isn't thriving financially, that those are the only folks that can benefit from these types of services or benefits or understanding. And, and that's simply just not the case. 40% um, of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. And folks that are earning salary-wise um, over $150,000 a year, 25% of them are also living paycheck to paycheck. So this is something that spans the socioeconomic spectrum. And that's the first place I like to start because sometimes CPAs um, or financial professionals think that their clients may not benefit from this because they on paper are doing fine financially. But similar to physical health, um, where you can't get in all your workouts in a day and think that you don't have to work out for the rest of your life, the same thing goes with financial health. Um, it's a lifelong um, journey and a lifelong commitment, just like our physical health. Um, so the first place to start is understanding that it's, these tools are helpful to anyone. And then the next place I would start is thinking about as a CPA thinking about how you can help your clients establish healthy money habits um, meaning how can you give them the tools so that they know how to fish themselves and you aren't just giving them the fish and a great example of that is 
And here a CPA that provides tax services, for instance, and perhaps you talk to your clients maybe twice a year, at least once a year, but maybe twice a year, um, give them the tools so that they can start checking in on their company's financial health on a quarterly basis, ideally even a monthly basis. So how can you teach them how to read their own P&L report? How can you teach them to understand how cash flow works on a seasonal basis? Um, how can you give them specific metrics so that they can feel empowered to know, oh yeah, we are ready to hire another full-time employee, or perhaps we should go with someone part-time because of where we're at financially. Giving them actionable either metrics or tools or steps that they can take to start being more involved in the financial health of their business so that they're not solely relying on you to tell them, yes, no, do this or do that. And, and the, you know, in saying that I can already hear a CPA perhaps thinking, well, I don't want to jeopardize my own business by giving them the tools and thinking that perhaps they won't need me anymore. They will always need you. Um, they will always um, need your, your insight and your ability to be able to help them see around the corners. But by giving them the tools, helping them feel empowered, they're actually going to be an even more effective partner with you and actually make your role that much easier because they will, they will better understand how the finances work within their business and within their personal life. And I'm curious, have you talked to any CPAs, accountants, um, kind of about this, this mindset, this perspective, who, who are kind of wary of it, who are maybe thinking, how is this really going to benefit like long-term? I, I have spoken to a few, some are, some are open to it. Some are weary, wary of it. And I would say the biggest um, block that they have to it or resistance that they have to it is for some CPAs, they feel that their clients just won't get it, that they just don't have any interest in understanding the, the nitty gritty of the finances of the, within the business. That's why they hire them. So they have that resistance to it, that they think their clients just wouldn't be interested. Um, and the other resistance that I hear, frankly, is because a lot of financial professionals haven't done this work on themselves. They are financially unwell. They may be fine on paper, but they have high levels of stress, high levels of anxiety when it comes to their own financial situation, their own financial life. And um, until an individual does this work internally and in their own experience, it will be challenging to be able to be an expert or a guide for someone else. And I love that perspective when you mentioned doing it internally to being able to be an expert for others, because something I wanted to ask you about was how does this process evolve? Say that you are a, a CPA, um, an accountant that has bought into this. What does that look like as you go through your career, your you're guiding other people um, in addition to yourself, this um, mindset of financial well-being. How does that evolve throughout a person's life? Great question. I would say it's 
definitely different for each individual. I can speak for myself. Um, the definition of financial well-being, as stated by the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, which is a U.S. governmental agency that basically protects all of us when it comes to um, our financial life. So they're the ones that tell credit card companies that, hey, you have to um, let your consumers know what the interest rate is. Um, you can't just charge them any interest rate without being transparent. So that's the that's an important agency. Um, and their definition is financial well-being is a state of being where you feel where you're able to meet your ongoing and current financial obligations. You feel secure in your financial future and you can make decisions to enjoy life. And I want to highlight those the second and third part of that definition, um, where it's about feeling secure in your financial future and being able to make decisions to enjoy life. That is very subjective. What I consider financial security will likely be different than how you define financial security for yourself, Jessica. Um, what I determine to be able to what I think of enjoying life to mean and what that entails financially is going to be different than a client's definition of what it means to enjoy life. And so the first step for everyone is to define that for themselves. CPAs, financial professionals included, really think deeply about what does it mean to feel financially secure? What does it mean to be able to enjoy life? And that can seem like, so uh, cliche, perhaps. Uh, however, there is a lot of messaging that we receive about what does it mean to be financially successful that we just assume to be true for ourselves. But until we think deeply about is this actually what I think of feeling financially successful or what I feel means to be financially secure, or is this an external source telling me this? So. That's the first step is to take time to define that for yourself as a financial professional, as a CPA. I'll give a concrete example. I, I went through this first iteration for myself when I was building a bookkeeping business and I thought that financial success meant building a huge bookkeeping business so I could sell it to one of the big four CPA firms. That's what I thought success was for me. And I got to a point where I had a healthy book of business and I was exhausted. I was burnt out. I hated my job and it was a job at this point. I had started a business so I didn't have to work a job but then I just created a job for myself. And I realized that that wasn't financial success for me. In fact, it was someone else's definition. I have thought that being able to sell to a big four firm meant that, oh, that's what, um, that's what everyone else, everyone else will see me as successful. So that must mean success. And when in fact, that's not at all what I wanted. I, I value my free time. I value um, being able to do a lot of reading, a lot of writing. And that just wasn't possible with the business model that I had built. And so that is the first step is getting clear for yourself. What does each of those things mean to me? And then from there, being open to exploring the non-linear, non-data side of money, diving deeper into money psychology, 
and um, diving deeper into behavioral economics. Why do people make the decisions that they do? Um, understanding, realizing that some of the tools that we've been taught as financial professionals are, are helpful in some ways and not helpful in other ways. Uh, I mentioned budgeting earlier. Um, budgeting and creating projections for clients Yes, that is helpful. That is a tool. And it's also really helpful perhaps to throw those out the window sometime and to go back to the drawing board and to not have any constraints on what the business could look like um, if you needed to pivot. We definitely experienced that with COVID-19, that there was a lot of going back to the drawing board. And so picking up different tools related to the psychology of money, related to behavioral economics, and trying that on yourself first as a CPA um, is, is the next several steps of that process. The, the perspective that someone has, um, you know, does it become more important, their financial well-being, or do you think they become more aware of it during those like really stressful times? Ooh, I hope so. I, I, I hope, I say I hope so because I believe stressful times and the pandemic was just the way you put it, a unique, stressful experience that we're still living through. And I hope someone actually described it to me once as the pandemic, COVID-19, this experience that we're all in as a pause. The world is pausing so that um, we can take a breath and really assess what it is what life we're leading and uh, and that sounds so esoteric like what is the meaning of life you know asking those types of questions but really though um is the life that you've created the life that you've built what you want and um yes yeah, so i say i hope so because if it's not that that's going to make you ask those deeper questions i don't know what is and the scariest thing for me is is living a life that isn't my own, being on a path that isn't my own. And I, I would hope that other folks have that same, um, feel that a similar way and that they, in that they hope, I hope that they want to lead a life that is their own. And so, yes, I hope that these unique stressful situations, whether it's a pandemic or something um, in someone's personal life, it could be a divorce, it could be a marriage, it could be um, a, a child, it could be um, just an awakening around what you find to be most important. Uh, I hope that those times, yes, make us take a step back and question and reassess. And perhaps you end up with the same answer. Perhaps the life that you've created is exactly what you want. And now you can be more convicted in leading that life. Uh, and if it's not, then hopefully you have the courage to make the decisions you need to make to, to adjust. And if someone's listening to this, they've they've heard everything that you say and they're they're ready. They're ready to kind of start this journey to look into the financial well-being uh, perspective and, and understand more about that. Where would you tell them to start? The first place to start is to define what financial well-being means to you. So take a look at the first part of the definition of financial well-being, being able to meet 
ongoing and current financial obligations, that, that's pretty straightforward. Being able to, to make your monthly bills. But the second two parts are incredibly subjective. What does it mean to feel secure in your financial future? And, and what does it mean to be able to make choices to enjoy life? What does enjoying life mean to you? And then what do you need financially to be able to do that? Um, so that's the first step. Um, and then the second step is to, to think about the decisions that you've made thus far that have not allowed you to... So the first step is to define it. And then the second step is to take the steps you need in order to create whatever that definition you have for yourself. Perhaps you're already on the path. If you're not, um, then there's some course correction that needs to be had. Um, and that those steps, depending on the person could mean um, starting a side hustle. It could mean um, reevaluating what retirement looks like for you and the path that that means for you. It could mean um, rethinking what your family life looks like. Um, so it, it can be, it can run the gamut what those action steps are, but, um, but really thinking about how can my actions reflect the definition that I've created for myself. That all of this is, is interconnected. Your financial well-being is directly connected to your overall well-being, so your physical health, your mental health, and, and seeing a financial well-being as a form of self-care um, and approaching it from that perspective can, can help illuminate some, some areas that could be specific to that individual around what financial well-being truly means for them. Thank you to Danita for taking the time to speak with me about the value in financial well-being. And what about financial well-being will you integrate into your work and life? You can let me know at jsalerno, J-S-A-L-E-R-N-O, at ohiocpa.com. If you are interested in learning more about financial well-being, you can buy Danita's book, Financial Well-Being in the Workplace. It's available on March 20th. Click the link in our show notes to be the first to know when it's available to purchase. And please rate and review us on whatever podcast app you're using. We'd love to hear your feedback. Thanks for listening.